0: The 3 Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, here we are on the eve of Free Agency, or as more likely you're listening today, probably hours before Free Agency, if not after Free Agency opened. As, uh, As usual, John and I procrastinated and left. Our big free agency discussion to the last minute as we are recording here on a Monday night ahead of the big spectacular that is CFL free agency and some Mm -hmm. of the dominoes are already starting to fall. So we're going to get into that a little bit specifically. It looks like Mike Riley is going to sign with the BC Lions as I think many expected at one point. So we'll get into that what it means to the riders Uh, talk a little big picture about what they might do in free agency and Maybe the kinds of help they might need uh, outside of the quarterback, because we obviously all know about that one. Oh, yeah. And uh, we might touch on uh, the coaching hires a little bit, because we haven't had a chance to discuss uh, Craig Dickinson and Jason Shivers being hired. Though, really, they were both probably the most obvious and easy decisions. So, that's kind of why we left a little bit, and we didn't feel the need to jump on it right away, because they were kind of ho-hum hires. But uh, we will get into that a little bit. But first, John... Mm -hmm. On Friday night, I was at Beer Brothers here in Regina, a fine establishment of many beer varietals. Yep. And a question from Brent, one of the owners of Pile of Bones came up, one where he admitted that he came out of the argument wrong, because he was horrifically wrong, and I, I still can't believe he thought what he thought when he was asked this question. All right. And he wanted us to talk about this on the podcast, so he sponsors our show, so that's what we're going to do. Fair enough. And the question was, and it's worded very specifically for a reason, there's a pretty big caveat in it. Mm-hmm. Which condiment do you think is the most useful and versatile? Not necessarily the best tasting, though this one does taste pretty damn good, but the most versatile in terms of cooking.
2: Jeez, um, no, that's a good one. In terms of cooking, I would almost say barbecue sauce. Right? You okay. Can, you can have barbecue sauce on a burger. You can have it on a on some chicken, on some pork. Um, you can go ahead and uh, if you happen to overcook your steak a little bit, throw a little barbecue sauce on there. Last couple seconds on the grill, you're generally okay. I would say in terms of versatility, I would go with barbecue sauce.
0: Okay, not a bad answer. It's closer than what Brent said. Um, True. Brent said mustard.
2: Mm-hmm. Which I That's mean, a... don't
0: get don't get me wrong. I love mustard. If you forced me to put one condiment on my hamburger or hot dog, it would be mustard. Because it's okay. delicious, Uh-huh. Um, but he, uh, he he eventually capitulated. He eventually gave in to uh, the answer and the discussion earlier in the day with some people that the most versatile condiment is actually mayonnaise.
2: Oh yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah,
0: because and that's why I didn't want to ask you this question beforehand because I wanted like your honest answer as to what you thought this was. Now, barbecue sauce, right. not, not a horrible answer. It is quite versatile, but it's still kind of one note in like barbecue world, basically, right?
2: True, but as a as a guy who's terrible with a frying pan, a roaster, an oven, and actually pretty decent on a grill, it's kind of my go-to. It's my oh god, I've overcooked something, and my friends are coming over in mere minutes. Let's slather this ish <laughs> on there and hope that nobody complains.
0: That's fair, and I, I think that's a fair answer. But the answer is definitely not mustard. Um, was no, the point? No, I was really no, trying uh, to make, if... and but I, I would stand by mayonnaise because you can use it in a lot of different ways. Like, if you, have you ever made a grilled cheese with mayonnaise on the outside instead of butter?
2: Yes, it's you get, amazing. You, you it, get that it, it
0: amazing is... crust that you don't get with butter. Oh, it just yeah, spreads yeah. so much easier, and it's, it's it's great. And you can use it basically anywhere you use butter in a cooking method, not a flavoring method. You could basically use mayonnaise instead.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or you can have it uh, on French fries, which is also yes. sneaky good. With a little bit um, of
0: uh, pepper and vinegar and then into the mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or
2: Or – or you have uh, deep fried shrimp dumplings with it. Oh yeah, that would be good. That that is one thing I never. I thought it was some sort of white sauce.
1: Uh, <laughs> or, ordered from uh,
2: our uh, our sales manager at Oakwood Nissan, uh, where that actually pays my bills, uh, is Vietnamese. We often order from places that I'm just like whatever. Get me something that's not that you think I'll enjoy. And I'm dipping these shrimp dumplings in this white sauce. I'm like, what's the sauce? He goes, mayonnaise. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess my palate is not that refined, as I was like, "Oh, this is this is when you, so you, when tasty." You don't, when
0: you don't see what something is, it can often be deceiving, unless it's like blatantly it's obvious. Like if it's that yellow mustard, you know it's mustard. But it's true. Sometimes it can be deceiving. Yeah, like I've seen on TV, like they like coated chicken in mayonnaise before breading it, which would just be like amazing, and it like adds like a nice juiciness to it. Yeah.
2: Hmm. So... And 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 uh, you know, back to your point though with the colors. Mm-hmm. Remember for a while when Heinz had like like green and purple ketchup. Yeah, that was weird. It, it and and it's funny because I tried it, and it didn't. I know it is completely psychological. Part of me like <laughs> this does not taste the same. Green ketchup does not taste as good as red ketchup.
0: No, no, it wouldn't. Even though it's it's a total placebo effect, but it, yeah, I would agree with you.
2: So mayonnaise, we put that ish on everything.
0: Absolutely, and you, you can use it in dips. You can use it in all kinds of stuff. But anyway,
2: yeah, he thought it was
0: a good topic for us to talk about because as a couple of fat guys, we 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 love our condiments.
2: So it's it's and, uh, it's true. It's 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 true. And you know what? I am I am I am glad that I wasn't so far off base that you had to laugh hysterically. But I mean, seriously, mustard. That you know. But you're right. The first thing that comes to mind. Even my meal tonight, supper, was a hot dog with sauerkraut and mustard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? So yeah. I thought... Well, yeah, but the, so. the the
0: caveat of the question was usefulness, not necessarily taste. Not that mm-hmm. mayonnaise tastes mm-hmm.
2: bad, but, I mean, mustard tastes better. Mm-hmm. Or when you add a mayonnaise to anything from your favorite fast food burger joint. Okay, I, now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a diet now. I, now I'm hungry, and this is not good.
0: All right, that's... Uh... As well, transition out of that into other things as uh, fat guys like. I think I can already hear what's in your glass, John, but uh, <laughs> what's in the glass this week? <laughs> uh,
2: what's in the glass this week? Because I drank my last beer with, uh, with that hot dog I was talking about. So first, a uh, quick note on the beer. Uh, what the hell was it, Joel? I literally, you sent me a photo of it saying, one night by a text, you're like, this is amazing, you'd love it, go try it. I found the can, I don't even know what it was called, but I, I tried it and I loved it.
0: It was the Collective Arts out of Hamilton. It was their Guava Ghost. So it's like a, okay. a sour beer with a little bit of sea salt in it and obviously guava. And it was yeah. honestly, some people like there's so there's on Facebook, there's a group called the Beer Lovers of Saskatchewan. I think I've added yep. you to that group. And you have me, yes. everyone was going nuts about this beer one day. So I'm like, OK, I got to go find this beer and buy it and see if it lives up to the hype. And yeah, it, it lived up to the hype. There's, there's no question about it. It was without a doubt one of the best beers I've tasted this year. Like, last last 365 days, not the last, like, month, obviously.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah. I I was going to say, it's funny, though, when you do try it, if you are taking beer recommendations from the two of us, um, I'm a guy that normally, I I, I take a, like, a not, like, deep inhale, but a quick whiff of what I'm drinking to go, what am I getting myself into? Mm -hmm. Um, As you should, yep. Don't smell this beer. (laughs) I literally, I took a whiff and thought to myself, I'm like, could Joel have led me astray? Could this be the one time that Joel has led me astray? And then and then it touched my lips, and it went into my mouth, and it tasted so good. And uh, yeah, so I had the last one I had of those. Uh, so tonight, it's just back to some whiskey. Because again, I am somehow out of beer. I have non-alcoholic Coors, which I know we're not into big brewery guys, but I will admit, of all the non-alcoholic beers, the Coors, if you're ever feeling something... You know, you're at a party or something. You don't want to necessarily drink the alcohol. It's not a bad option. It actually tastes pretty tasty. Now,
0: yeah, the near beers are getting better, and my, my theory on the big guys in the near beer is they actually try harder on it because you can't just use, like, the booze flavor to mask it. You actually have to kind of make it taste like something.
2: Yeah, you exactly, <laughs> and that's how I found it's it's called uh, Coors Edge, but that's yeah, that's all that's left in my fridge. So uh, I couldn't possibly do this uh, podcast uh, completely sober. So uh, no, we whiskey. can't
0: have you suddenly being correct about things or anything like that.
2: It's <laughs> <was> way better <laughs> when I'm wrong, <laughs> and we're independent now, so I can be as wrong as I want. Yeah,
0: and uh, for me, I have the new Cascadian Dark Ale from our friends at Nicomis. Um, basically it's a fancy way of saying a black IPA, so it's dark, but it's not like stout dark. It's got a little bit of hops and bitterness to it as well. It's basically the perfect winter beer because it's dark and it's bitter and it's just like winter. Especially, I feel... especially the way winter's been the last couple of weeks around here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say when, when you get out, when I was out in a boat today and I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's only minus seventeen.
0: Put on some this shorts. Is, Let's
2: go. This is so pleasant. <laughs> I, I, I I shovel today in just a hoodie. Like this is the toques and mitts and the rest of it. I yeah. you know the whole being fat and sweaty when I shovel. But uh, yeah, this is like tropical vacation. I'm seeing my Facebook feed is jammed with people on last minute Mexican vacations. Like, whatever, guys. It's tropical in
0: Saskatchewan. <laughs> 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 it was definitely nicer in regina today too except it's basically snowed all day and i had dodgeball before we recorded this podcast and the roads are pretty much a disaster right now thanks to uh the layer of ice and frozen snow that exists under the freshly fallen snow so hmm. that's that's not exactly the most fun but uh Whatever, we're not actual radio here. We're not here to give traffic reports. Um, <laughs>
2: no, it's true. Not, not that actual radio has a staff to do that anymore these days past 6 p.m.
0: No, not at times. Um, so Zing! Yeah. We're going to get into everything in a second here, but you did bring up that we're independent now. Uh, Drew finally announced that news uh, the other day, and there is a new little initiative that has been launched on 3 Down Nation. now. Uh, the mailing list is back, so you get, something, you get all our stories mailed to you every day if you want. In one handy little email to check stuff out. But also, more importantly, uh, you can now give us money. If you like Yay! what we're doing, you can set us up to basically help us do what we do. Not John, he doesn't get any of it. But... <laughs> no, I don't I don't get a
2: dime, actually. Like, that, like, I feel like we should make this very clear that all the production and editing costs that, that the money goes 100% to. Uh, I see none of it because I feel like people would give you money for being incredible and a writer and good at your job. and Not me, I'm just a functioning alcoholic that spouts bad takes.
0: Yeah, so maybe one day we'll buy you a beer or something for doing this. But uh, other Woo-hoo! than that. So, yeah, you can do that. Uh, you can do a one time thing or you can set it up to do a, a reoccurring payment if you'd like. Um, we aren't going, I know some people have been wondering. We're not going like full athletic and putting stuff behind a paywall or anything like that. But, you know, we are asking for, you know, a little bit of help. If you like what we're doing and want to help us grow, then this is one way to do it. And the cool thing is also, if you hate us, you can still give us money because. Um, if you uh, if you donate, you get a, you can enter into a private Facebook group where Drew will be taking all kinds of feedback on the website. So you can give all of your uh, kind of thoughts on how you think we can do better as a website to serve you, the CFL fans. So if you love us, give us money. If you hate us, give us money. Basically, uh, just uh, just give us money.
2: <laughs> I like
1: it.
0: And speaking of uh, just give us money, the CFL free agency is set to open. Uh, probably later today when you're listening to this podcast. In all honesty, right? And so the, the the we're just gonna get into this. The domino has basically fallen. Ryder Shog of TSN reporting that uh, Mike Riley is going to sign with the BC Lions. And I think we thought all along it was either going to be Edmonton or BC. I think especially after Chris Jones left, the writers probably weren't really going to be in that mix too much. Not because of the Jones connection. I just and we'll get into this in a little bit. I don't get the feeling and there's no source behind this or anything like that, that Jeremy O'Day doesn't come across to me as the guy who looks to make big splashes in free agency. Right. So I feel like he's going to be a steady kind of guy, make smart moves and just try and build something rather than let's assign all the free agents. Um, <laughs> that's right. that's, that's and, how I feel about it anyway. Maybe and, and maybe I, other people would, think differently. I don't know.
2: I would agree, I would agree with that take, but I, I would almost say... And before we get into the Riley signing, though, if his if he wants a contending team, under no circumstances, he's going to have to make something of a splash at the quarterback position at some point here in the next, I don't know, week. You got to think all the big name quarterbacks. the Well, the big three, two of them, well, one of them's already off the board. Mm-hmm. Another one, I think, would be a very hard sell to go anywhere but Calgary if he doesn't end up in the NFL. So realistically um, at uh, noon Eastern time, they should be basically standing outside of uh, Trevor Harris's house with a case of uh, pile of bones saying, Hey, do I go for a rep?
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's better than uh Minha's has been offering up some kind of birthday party package for the three quarterbacks, which of course the jokes on the beer lovers page has now become, well, now they're definitely not coming here. So
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> not that hey, these two probably have no idea who this company is anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But, I thought that was funny. So, yeah, so Mike Riley, on all likelihood, going to the BC Lions, or has already signed with the BC Lions if you're listening to this later on Tuesday. And so I don't really think the Riders are going to be this. And, yeah, okay, they would probably like to maybe make a splash at quarterback, but I think it's going to be tough for Jeremy O'Day to do that. Um, not so much for cap reasons. I, I think that they can make it work, and there's probably a reasonable expectation that to some degree the cap is going to go up in the new CBA. And yeah. so... But there's so much going against them right now. Like, that offense wasn't good last year. Um, Like, I think I would say their odds are probably better of landing Bo Levi Mitchell than Trevor Harris. Really? I think so. I don't think they're going to end up with either of them. But I think you probably have a better shot of dropping off a dump load of money to Bo Levi Mitchell and getting him to say yes. Because, and there's been in the cranky... Cranky Frank Clair on Twitter. I don't know if you follow him. He's like a... He's basically Ottawa's fake gainer for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. He's been tweeting some really reasonable thoughts as to why, at the end of the day, Trevor Harris might stay. Um, he also yeah. thinks they're making a play for Boley by Mitchell based on some of the other decisions they've made. So it could go either yeah. way. But I think... And it makes a lot of sense. Because if you're Trevor Harris, why would you basically give up a free pass to the playoffs every year in the East to go out to an ultra-competitive West... And take on your two biggest rivals in terms of quarterback play. Unless the money's so stupid that you can't say no. But I mean, wouldn't you rather remain the king of the East and come out, than come out West and probably maybe have to take on Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell to get out of the division into the no, Grey Cup?
2: No, you're, you're absolutely right. But uh, as a guy, here's a guy that's already got a ring. I'm sure we'll probably get more. It just seems like it, it he doesn't have like... one as a starter, though. No, you're no, you're right. No, that's a good point. It just seems like though that Ottawa, to some degree, has always been slightly lower on Trevor Harris than maybe you'd think they would be. Right? I just I could see Ottawa letting him walk just strictly for the fact that he doesn't seem entrenched as that guy. There's always murmurs of. You know, even dating back to when he was here, when Henry Burris and him were in the same spot. You know, so like you're you're right. That would be an absolute guaranteed path to the playoffs. Is we, staying in the East Division, but who knows if that's going to be the case? Like, let's let's face it. If you with there's so many free agents out there that I, I, you could base you basically you're remaking the entire league. This is almost like mm-hmm. when you turn on Madden or NHL on your PlayStation or Xbox and go fantasy draft season like there's gonna be so many pieces that are moving around um it might look like a whole new league by the time the dust settles and training camps open two months late because of a strike um yeah you can write that one down uh, the thing i think but and i'm here i will disagree with you i think the riders have a better chance of trevor harris than bo levi mitchell because of what we're both agreeing on is that jeremy o'day is not a big splash guy I could very much picture O'Day, Craig Dickinson, the rest of the Riders brass focusing on Trevor Harris as of noon tomorrow, noon Eastern tomorrow, when these things open rather than, you know, because if you've listened to the rumblings now, Edmonton's going to be a player for Bo. Calgary's going to be a player for Bo. I, I think every team right now except BC, Hamilton, and Winnipeg are going to put everything forward for Bo. So I think it might not be a poor decision by Jeremy O'Day, go offer a good contract to Trevor Harris, lock up your starting quarterback, and then build from there while everybody else fights over Bo. Because the number's been set. Mike Riley has set the market at 700G a year. Mm -hmm. I was saying to you before we got into recording, I think Bo Levi stays in Calgary for that same 700. If Calgary phones him up tonight, says, okay, we'll match the Mike Riley contract, you're our guy, he stays. But I think if he's listening to offers, I think if that number's approaching 758 Hundo on the same four-year deal, maybe that's going to make him go. And you know Toronto's going to want to do that. Ottawa's going to want to do that. Edmonton's now in a position to do that. It just... I think the smart play right now for Jeremy O'Day, don't get involved in the hype train. Go out and get Trevor Harris if you can. Get him early. And then you know what your cap figure is going to be like because uh, our very good mutual friend, Jamie Nye of the Green Zone, tweeted out what the depth chart looks like. There's not a lot of names on offense there right now, Joel.
0: No, there isn't. And I'm not saying that it's not a smart move maybe to target Trevor Harris instead of Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah. I, I think, I think in, in both odds are fairly slim to begin with. Like yeah. I, I think we're talking you know, maybe like a 2% to 5% kind of thing each way, yeah. whoever we're talking about for the guy here, whether they actually get them or not. And, and I think the other question that they need to answer is when you look at the entire picture and how many holes there are to fill on offense, as you know, the, the O-line could still use a boost, they need receivers, do they need a running back maybe? I don't know. Now, but those guys, you know, the running back, you find a dime doesn't out of the states, fine.
2: Yeah.
0: So is it prudent even to spend, say, $600,000 on a Trevor Harris when you need to rebuild an entire offense? Well, basically, I don't know. That's, oh. that's a hard question to answer. And it depends on, I think, the long term view of this team right now. If there is one where it's like, okay, we are going to spend four hundred thousand dollars combined, and I'm just pulling these names out for fun, on Jonathan Jennings and Travis Lule, and we're going to spend the extra three, four hundred thousand dollars on the rest of our offense and give yeah. them a chance to possibly not be you know, to have at least a better offense last year to have some options to have some weapons, because if you can play on the if the defense is still at relatively the same level, that makes a big difference. Now the defense isn't is going to be a different defense next year, even if they run the same system. It's just even if Chris Jones was here next year, is going to be a different defense because that's just the nature of football. So you can't count on them to score you know a hundred touchdowns again. But if they are able to keep them in games again, but they have an offense capable of producing those three drives, that they need to win a game, and you can do that with a some combination of Jonathan Jennings and Travis Lulay just pulling names out of hat again, then maybe that's a better route to do it because then all of a sudden it's like twenty seventeen where you can't afford to surround a lesser quarterback with superior talent. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and it's the sealed chicken before the egg argument, right? Hmm. Does the offense suck because the quarterback wasn't any good last year, or is it the other way around? Was the offense good because it's 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 so hard to tell. Like, what what would the Riders look like if they got better than you know the CFL's version of Trent Dilfer in there last year? You know, it just. There was nothing about Zach Caleros that that struck me as dynamic, and it was interesting. I did see on Twitter that the riders have reached out to at least speak to Caleros about this coming season, which mm-hmm. I do think, unless he's unless he's willing to come in and play for a hundred grand a year, it would uh, have to be a
0: heavy bonus situation for sure.
2: Oh yeah, like we're talking one of those one hundred and thirty five base salaries and. You get X if Y happens, and then to go out and surround him with, with as much talent as you can find. Uh, I I think, though, and it was – and I I don't remember if we – if because of my short-term memory and lack of sleep these days. I don't remember if we said this before we started recording or after we started recording. But basically <laughs> you said you have a chance to go out and get one of – this this league has three good quarterbacks right now.
0: Mm-hmm. It was Add before, yeah.
2: 700... Okay, it was before. Good. Okay, I'm not completely losing my mind. Um, you said if you have a chance to go get Mike Riley, you go get him. Mm-hmm. And although Trevor Harris is not Mike Riley, he's not Bold Levi Mitchell. He's, I would put him.
0: He's a he's uh, a he's a two. Like if if you're going Riley Mitchell one A one B then he's mm-hmm. like 3 or 2 whatever you want to consider it. He's yeah, well, he's, that's he's it. At a category on his own as sort of that secondary elite guy.
2: It, it, you're absolutely right and I don't think anybody's giving him the same attention uh, because there are so many other questions, right, with the other with the other big names out there. So yeah,
0: yeah, if then, you if yeah, if you have you, a chance you can target him but I think if you're Trevor Harris, you're smart and you wait it out even if the riders are off in your new world and they're, you know, Sending you flowers and Valentine's <laughs> cards and the whole thing You still wait it out because you want every you want to be the last option standing, basically, out of the big three. I think that's Trevor Harris's best shot to cash in. Mike Riley is essentially signed. You wait for Bo by Mitchell to make his decision, whether it's here or in the NFL, and then you start saying, Okay, now I'm going to start listening to these offers more seriously and we're gonna to try to drive this price up. So in theory, you're right, the writers should start talking to Trevor Harris right away. I just think it's going to be incredibly difficult, unless you're the Ottawa Red Blacks, to get Trevor Harris signed before Bo Levi Mitchell makes a decision.
2: I, I would agree. I would agree. But I think, I think the thing that threw a wrench into all of these plans is the fact that Mike Riley set the market tonight. Because even Trevor Harris, I, I think even the agents for Trevor Harris will admit he's not worth seven hundred grand a season. No, he's not
0: at that level. But he'll probably get five fifty six.
2: But that's it. If, if if the riders want to play ball, and Jeremy O'Day's got five fifty on the table noon tomorrow, and says let's go, does that does that does that happen? It might. But I think at the
0: he, same time though, okay, he's like, okay, I know that's there, but I'm gonna wait for Bo to sign his seven somewhere, and then I'm gonna make sure I get six six twenty five right. something like that, right?
2: Yeah, it, so. it's 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 interesting because this is such a quarterback driven league. And outside of Jeremiah Mazzoli, I would say the top three quarterbacks in the league are, well, technically don't have contracts tonight.
0: Yeah. Well, they don't. The top three quarterbacks in the league don't have contracts right now. There's no question about it. Well, I guess I guess technically their previous contract hasn't expired, so I guess technically True. they do. They haven't. They don't have extended contracts. <laughs> no,
2: exactly. I, and I think the only name you could flip in and out. Uh, to me, Bo and and, and Mike Riley are one A, one B, and Jeremiah Mazzoli has maybe crept up. You know, just behind Trevor Harris. Mm. Yeah, uh, he's not. I, I think Harris,
0: the the knock on Mazzoli is probably, is he that good or is he a system guy? Does he just really work really well in June Jones's offense? So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you can make a yeah. lot of money doing that for your career, go for it. But yeah. I would like to see him at some point see if he can do a different style of offense. That's the only. No. That's basically the only question remaining over Jeremiah Masoli.
2: No, you're absolutely right. But but you're right. Yeah, the best the best three quarterbacks in the league technically don't have a contract right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. If if you're in a situation where you can talk to a guy and you can get a guy, you have to do it. I'm not yeah. saying the writers shouldn't do it, but I think there's a lot of things that are, that are going to be at play here, and it's going to be tough for them to get it. Um, but I do agree with what I said, that if, and this is more of the conversation about Mike Riley, and I saw some people when the word started breaking that it looked like Mike Riley was going to go to BC for $700,000 a year, and they thought, wow, that's a lot of money to pay a guy in the league. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. and the cap, But the pay- cap's probably going up. And mm-hmm. if you can get and it said, if you can get one of those three guys, one of those two guys, I would say, you pay whatever to get him. Yeah. And frankly, the fact that Edmonton gave them permission, I mean, that's reeks of something weird going on in Edmonton that Mike Riley was like, I need to get out of here early, which, okay. Yeah. And and there was always, th- and I, this even might be a slight bit of a hometown discount still just because his family's up in the Pacific Northwest like if Mike mm. Riley really wanted to go somewhere else and really wanted to test the market someone like Montreal might have offered him like 8 850 right
2: well well you're exactly right and and, and that's why uh like that's that's why I wonder tonight if a team like Toronto is getting involved
0: well the not so much of Mike Riley but Justin Dunk does have the report out that his sources are telling him that the Argos are putting up a a monster offer for Bo Levi Mitchell, somewhere in the seven fifty
2: range. It, it could, but that's the question: is could Bo go for more than that?
0: Possibly. I mean, if that's if the bidding war starts and you get a few GMs playing against each other, you never know what might happen.
2: Yeah, it's. I think. I think it is. I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, and it's too bad that we're going to have to wait an extra two months after the players go on strike. But, uh, but I, I, I think the consensus is is yeah that that cap has to be going up.
0: Yeah, I think it will. How much, we don't know. But there's, if it's if it goes up enough, it, you should be able to afford a $700,000 quarterback and field a decent team. Now, is that Hervey going to go nuts? Because there's a lot of other names being rumored out there, and that might put them into some trouble. But we'll just have to wait and see how that goes. I think from a rider perspective, heading into tomorrow, we've, we touched on it a little bit, or today, whenever you're listening to this. I think, clearly, we all know they need to find something that they're going to do at quarterback over the next few days. Mm-hmm. They need to find some help on offense all around. Other other than that, the really big question is what's going to happen to Willie Jefferson because he was hands down the best player on the team in 2018 and he put out the Instagram story on Monday saying he's going to test the market for the first time and he put it on this is going to be interesting. So whether Chris Jones' departure is playing into this decision or not for Willie Jefferson, we don't know yet because he's basically always followed Chris Jones around everywhere he's gone. Um, I think it's clear at this point that Willie isn't happy with any kind of offers that are coming that may or may not have come from the NFL. And he knows this is where his bread and butter is now uh, up here in the CFL. So he's, I think he's looking to get paid now. And if you're the writers, you have to ask yourself the question, is he a system guy? Does he just really work with Chris Jones? Is he really that worth putting money into when you can find American defensive ends from time to time? But this is also a franchise that struggled with having those pass rushers over the years, too. They, after mm-hmm. John Chick went to the NFL, they didn't replace John Chick until John Chick came back. <laughs> so, I
2: mean. They replaced John Chick with John Chick with a whole bunch yeah. of guys in between you're absolutely right
0: so it, it can like it's one of those things in theory you should be able to find american defensive ends, but sometimes it's not that simple it's like the winnipeg blue bombers who for some reason struggle to find american receivers when seemingly every other team in the league can find american receivers there's just weird things that happen within franchises at times and so the question is okay well i guess number one it depends on who your quarterback is if you're not spending money on your quarterback then i think you're willing to overpay a little bit on willie jefferson at least for a year yeah and then go from there. Because then next year, Charleston Hughes' money probably comes off the cap as well. He probably retires. Yeah. And that's the end of that chapter. And Willie's your guy. So what happens there, I think, is going to really affect what happens with the rest of the defense, because the is basically back. The linebackers are basically back, especially with Sam Hurl resigning today for some reason. And <laughs> so the defense is all set up. The only question basically becomes... Well, I guess number one, who's going to replace Sam Aguavin, but they have some pretty good options there, I think. Not quite Sam Aguavin good, but they have some guys that can move around and play different roles, and they should be good there. So, yeah. yeah. And Mike, Mike Adam coming back was a big signing. That's something I never thought I'd say in my life. But he's really fit into what they do in this system well. There's no question about it. You can't deny that he played yep. well at safety for them last year. So... Yeah, I think that's the second biggest question on this team is what do they do if Willie Jefferson decides to sign somewhere else?
2: I, I think if he decides to sign somewhere else, you do you you look hard for that kind of guy at your open tryouts, at your Bradenton camps, at guys in your neg list, and that's what you do. But
1: mm-hmm.
2: from Willie Jefferson to me, he's so unique in the fact that he's so disruptive along the line even when he's not getting pressure. I think back to the games against Winnipeg this year, where he's a guy that can be getting blocked and he's such a freak of nature that he just throws his hands up and comes up with interceptions, not only interceptions, but like pick sixes, coming from the line of scrimmage, like Mm -hmm. you just don't see that anywhere. The guy's a freak of nature, right? So I think he will be worth the overpay. Because he is he is so good, and the writers have a hard time finding a guy like that. But I think if he walks, I don't want to see... And this is the beauty of Jeremy O'Day. I don't think you'll see O'Day make a panic decision. No. I think O'Day trusts his process, trusts his scouts. He's been in that organization for so long, knowing that, okay, Willie's left us. Now, albeit, I think the American talent pools with the emergence of the AAF, XFL, all these other spring leagues that are popping into existence. I think your American talent pool might be a little bit thinner at some of these bradenton camps and, and tryouts and things maybe. like that but I, I do still think you can go out and, and find if you've decided okay this is a position for Americans, maybe Charleston Hughes is able to to teach a guy the Canadian game on the fly you know you have a nice you have a veteran there on the line that's been the league a long time maybe you can go out and find a rookie and and if that's the case if Willie leaves, to me, that's more money to show, shore up the offense, which is has holes everywhere. But I do think that that if you're in the ballpark, if you're in Willie's ballpark, if you gotta pay him, you pay him because he's a huge part of what they do along that D line.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no question. I agree with you completely. I mean, we've been I've been very open about my essential man crush on Willie Jefferson since he returned <laughs> to Saskatchewan. I think he was. Uh wrongfully not named defensive player of the year for the team a couple of years ago when they gave it yeah. to Ed Ganey because Ed Ganey had a bunch of picks, but that just means he got thrown out a lot, and Willie Jefferson was just a beast all year. But anyway, yep. um, so yeah, yeah, that would be a tough loss, but it's not irreplaceable. I think it would just it would change kind of how they probably would change their defensive scheme a little bit. There's no question about that. And I think the, the, the interesting thing about American defensive ends is a lot of them do end up falling through the cracks because – It is still, and I don't really know how the XFL and the AAF is going to approach this, but I know in the NFL, they're still very very measurable in how they find their pass rushers and their defensive linemen and their outside linebackers, depending on if they're a 4-3 or a 3-4 and all that. And really fits into a very specific box that there isn't a lot of guys in the NFL where they still believe in this, you know, he has to be in, he's basically a pass rusher and a 4-3 and this kind of setup. And teams aren't really going to invest in that really much anymore. Yeah. And so those guys are going to fall through the cracks in the state still and be able to find their way up here. Because the CFL is basically pretty much everyone for the most part, except Chris Jones at times, runs. I think you run heavy four most of the time. Occasionally yeah. you bring in the three-man rush. But generally speaking, you're not as boxed in in terms of what you believe your defensive end should be. It's, are you athletic? Can you rush the quarterback? Cool, we'll sign you, (laughs) right? So those those guys will still exist because for some reason they don't fit some box that the NFL guys don't want. And I feel like the AAF might develop into that depending on where the league goes. I know they're really pushing the feeder league theme hard right now watching a couple of games on the weekend and so maybe Mm -hmm. they won't, but eventually if it does gain steam and, you know, it does turn into more of a a legit sort of pro league rather than a, you know, kind of like the NBA G League where they're trying to send guys to the NFL, um, you know, maybe that changes a little bit, but for the most part, there is still kind of that belief in the States, and I think even in college, a lot of times that happens where they look at certain, you know, teams have certain types of guys they like in that spot rather than just someone who's great athletically and can run all over the place and make things happen, so... You can find guys. I'm not saying it's simple. It's never easy to find any kind of player, even if you're, you know, Calgary or Edmonton or who, who have been able to find endless stream of American receivers. It's still not easy to do. So it's, yeah. like, by no means am I saying if Willie Jefferson leaves, they should have no problems, you know, going through their neg list and scouting down south and finding someone. But it's probably the route they have to go. And it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time Charleston Hughes made someone look good.
1: <laughs> Look, no, let's be honest. That's...
0: Like now, Charleston did fall off a little bit in the second half last year, so that maybe is a question mark heading into next year. Just how you know how prepared he is for another eighteen game grind. Maybe he's on a bit of a pitch count early. Who knows? Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. That's basically I think the only other major question, free agent wise, is what happens to Willie Jefferson. There's some names that they may or may not resign. But you know, I wrote the piece for Three Down Nation about you know who I thought who should stay and who should go, and basically it was. The guys on defense keep him. The guys on offense let him go. That's pretty yeah. much what it came down to on a, a very simplified level. It's not exact that way, but that's pretty much how it came down. Um, the two guys that we do know are going to be here on Wednesday is head coach Craig Dickinson and defensive coordinator Jason Shivers. And as we said off the top, neither of these moves overly surprising. Nothing really to you know bombshell here or anything like that, but. I did write the piece for Three Down Nation because when they announced the hiring a defense coordinator, Drew messaged me, like, you want to write about this? I'm like, eh, you know, it's not really getting me that excited, but sure. Yeah. And the only thought that came to my mind was that this is what the riders need to be doing right now. Not because it's last minute and they need to, you know, keep things steady and all that, even though that's that's smart too. I think all the hires from Jeremy O'Day to Craig Dickinson – to Shivers and possibly even, you know, say Jovan Johnson ends up being a DB's coach. It's essentially an internal hire. Yep. What they've done is they are, yeah, they're doing steady with the course, but they're also helping create the culture of sustained success, which yep. is something Craig Reynolds has talked about as the goal ever since Bernard Tam and Corey Chamberlain were fired. Because what yep. it comes down to is if you are able to hire within, you will always succeed. Because you always yep. have the next people up. This is what Calgary has done forever. So basically, they had everyone in place who they... And I believe they, this is the path they were probably going to go from the start. Yes, you do your due diligence and you try to look at other options just in case someone really blows your socks off. But what this allows you to do, and this doesn't necessarily mean that the riders are going to be good next year or the year after that or anything like that. We don't know what's going to happen. But in theory, you promote within and you build the culture and then it doesn't matter who's doing the job. You have the way of doing things. So this is the way our general manager operates. This is the way our head coach operates. This is the way our defensive coordinator operates. And you constantly find the right people for those roles. Even if it's kind of a boring hire, you just, you set the culture and the rider way becomes the rider way. And that's how you become successful. And in my opinion, these three moves while kind of boring, make that happen.
2: Yeah, I, 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 you absolutely nailed it right on the head. Uh, they're developing a culture there. You look at the great, you look at the New England Patriots down south. Look at the Calgary Stampeders up north. It's just there's always a line of succession. You know, the only thing that breaks that line of succession is when a guy goes to another team to go ahead and start that position, which is a speaking to the quality of personnel you have in there. I, you're right. Both are relatively boring moves. Not a lot of debate, not a lot of things to talk about, but I do think they're both the right moves, and especially in this year of the Fantasy Draft free agency, a little continuity is going to make a huge difference for the Riders.
0: Yeah, I think their approach does slightly change a little bit, because these three guys aren't Chris Jones. You know, right. This should, after I think, and I wrote the piece, after a lot of chaos, even back into like the Brendan Tam and Corey Chamberlain era, where there's still things that happened. This is a very different group that we haven't seen in Saskatchewan in a while, where there is a lot of respectable people running the ship here. Not that the other guys weren't respectable per se, but you know what I mean. Like, these are CFL guys. These are, you know, these are people that the league talks about and have known about forever, and they fit a different mold than maybe what we've seen. Brendan Tamman kind of fell into this mold a little bit. But Corey Chamberlain was a little closer to Chris Jones in some of the way he acted at times. Um, Yeah. But you know, so it's just, it is, And it's almost like, on a personal level, not that this matters when you're covering a football team, but at least, I mean, I don't know, I don't know Shivers that well, but I, you know, I've had interactions with Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson over the years. Legitimately good people who yeah. were who happy to see them succeed professionally. And for the first time in a while, I can say, yeah, I think I actually, you know on a personal level, like everyone that's running this franchise. And that makes a difference in a lot of different ways. Not that, I mean, if things go sideways, I'm still going to slam them. That's that's my job. But you you feel good for these people who have worked hard and are legitimately good people and CFL lifers who are getting their shot.
2: Jeremy O'Day has always been the kind of guy you can sit down at a bar, at an event with, at a coffee shop, whatever – just bend the guy's ear for five minutes. You're absolutely right on that one, Joel. I remember uh, going to a Rider alumni event, and uh, this was—he was just named to the front office, having a beer with the guy, just shooting the breeze about Saskatoon and the team for that year. Like, he does a good job of that. Like you said, highly likable, highly approachable. Um, Craig Dickinson—I don't think was there, or I didn't interact with him during my last couple years in the media. But again, like, just there's good people. There seems to be genuinely good people in that organization. And that will lead to good things. I honestly do believe.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and I think you know, Chris Jones was a necessary move. I think it yeah, was important. It, do, it was, yeah. it was, yeah, they had to give him everything. And I think it was important at the time to have a dramatic shift in culture, because as I mentioned, when we talked about when Jeremy O'Day was hired. I think O'Day learned some things from Jones, kind of on the cold hard facts of football at times. Yeah, but at the same time, you could still be a good guy and do those things. And yeah. so I think that was a, a dramatic shift. That was a shocking shift, I think, was needed in Saskatchewan at the time. Now it's time to fall back a little bit and kind of get the guys that have fit the mold of more the right away of the people that Saskatchewan fans, for the most part, like running their organizations. They're people yeah. that live here. They're people that, you know, do all that stuff. They're involved in the community. You see them out and about. You know, you see, all that stuff matters to people here. Yeah. I don't necessarily care about that kind of thing so much for my people that I in terms of running football organizations, but it is important around here. Yep. And so it's, it's a shift. It was, there was a necessary shift then, and I think there's a necessary shift now. And it's a, it came at a good time for this franchise because I know behind the scenes, they kind of there's a few people in the community, important people that kind of ruffled their feathers the wrong way at times over the last yep. number of years. And this is a good shift back the other way to try and maybe pave over those bridges a little bit and get back into the good, good books of some people.
2: Well you, well, you said it. This is a province that cares, and this is a fan base that cares. That as much success as they had under Jones, everybody was still a little pissed off that he lived in a hotel.
0: Yeah, I mean that never bothered me per se, but I, I, I do think he could have done the odd community event to look like he kind of cared a little
2: bit. Yeah, that's the only thing. Played. I don't
0: care that he lived in a hotel, but he could have showed up around Regina the,
2: the odd time. It's doing this thing, right? I mean, he would have been—he would have been a hero if he just would have showed up to randomly the co-op and in Musiman one day, like <laughs> during one of those rider events, right? But yeah. I mean, you just—you didn't see that. You saw some of the riders. You'd see some of the riders' players immediately after a loss, out in out in Moosomin and Tisdale and and Estevan and like you name it, and they're there. And Jones was never at one of them. And yeah, I think that'll be the change in culture. Bring a lot of these. Uh, and again, I'm the same way. I, I I don't care. You can live on the moon as long as you're as long as you're winning football games. But mm-hmm. it's just it, it will bring a lot of people back towards the team in a good way.
0: Yeah. the so The one interesting thing about Dickinson Hire to me, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, was we thought he would kind of maybe be more the stopgap coach. Yeah. But they gave him a three-year deal, which which is which is really the only interesting part of this whole thing that stood out was, huh. Because now all of a sudden, with the way the football operations cap works is you're, you've are you basically tied yourself to them for at least two years now. Because yeah, if Because unless things go really, really bad this year, which I don't think they will. They don't think they'll go that badly that you need to fire a first-year head coach. But with the way the cap is, you don't want to be eating coach's salary for two years now.
2: No, no, and you're absolutely right. And, uh... You're right, it it was a strong statement. But I think, too, Craig Dickinson has been the first guy. He even said, it. hey, I never really envisioned being a CFL head coach. He liked doing his other things in the offseason. And I'm sure Craig Dickinson said, okay, if I'm going to be your guy, I need commitment from you, too.
0: Yeah, And and that's certainly a fair assessment. And I think that's probably a compromise the team had to make. And it does lead me to believe that he was kind of their guy all along. Yeah. And they probably had a feeling... And as much as they talked to Jamie Alizondo out of Ottawa, they wanted to. I don't really think he was really in the running, per se. No. It was basically Dickinson or La Police, probably. And then once Winnipeg said no, it was, it was essentially going to be Dickinson. You you give Stephen McAdoo an interview to keep him happy. But for the most part, it was always in, always in all likelihood going to be Dickinson. And because him and Jeremy have had a... you know They've worked together before. They were here under Corey Chamberlain, so... There was the there was the known quantity in that, so I don't think it's that surprising. And yeah, and to the fact that, to me that he said he never dreamed to be a head coach doesn't really bother me because he did mm-hmm. say he was always you know I just want to do the best job that I'm doing no matter what the title is. Yeah, so that's I, like I'm like you know, I get absolutely. that attitude. He he wasn't always you know he wasn't Chris Jones. He was always looking for that next opportunity. He just loved the job that he was doing, and if another opportunity came along, then maybe he'd look at it. And the day finally came for him, and that's that's kind of cool.
2: It is. You're absolutely right. And I think, though, that uh, the biggest reason they interviewed Stephen McAdoo was just to light Ryder's Twitter on fire for a day because, oh, my God, that was such a good day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the days are only going to get better on Ryder's Twitter.